0: Hello, and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime, with Kaylin and Elena, and our super special returning guest star, Maria! (laughs) So, yay! We
1: We love love having Maria here. We do.
0: It makes it fun. It does. And you get three goddesses for the price of two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What was that sound that just came out of your mouth? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh God. My lives should say separate. That was okay. awesome. <laughs> oh, great. So we're starting. So last week we did a two-parter of My Minnesota Case, and this week we are doing Elena's Minnesota Case, and then we've got Maria here, and she's going to do an update on her
0: uh, Patrick Frazee case, which yes. just went through trial and stuff. So. Right. And actually, My Minnesota Case will segue very nicely with Maria's because Ooh. we have another... Piece of garbage murderer husband father Ooh. sort of thing. So Sweet. yeah.
1: So it'll go nicely. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: it will. So, So should I just jump in? I mean, did we, we have anything that happened this week that? I don't think so. Just happy Thanksgiving to everybody oh, this yeah. week. It's mm-hmm. coming up, yeah. so. Yeah. And we are officially in the holidays. Ugh. I know.
1: Yeah, no. You two
0: true. don't look so excited. I'm kind no, of excited. No, not but so much, no. Not so much? I'm no. trying,
1: but I, I'm not succeeding. Yeah, no. I, I, yeah. yeah,
0: Not feeling it this year? No, no, not really. Okay. Well, then I'll just jump into my murder. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Christmas spirit. Let's talk about murder. All right, so... um i had a long time to think about this particular case because the week we did, our bye week This was going to be your case. Uh, this was going to be my case, and I'd actually had it all. Last week, with your t- saying, you know, that your case had gotten very long and it was going to be a two-parter, and so, and I told you I was okay, actually, with putting this one on the back burner just because it is another family annihilator case, and these do, A, make me so incredibly angry, you know, and I feel like we have too many of them. But, um, one of the things that really struck me too, cause I've been thinking a lot about this, you know, with the things that I told, and you know, I've been reading of mice and men with my juniors and we're I- about halfway through. Love that book. Now, and also, how many times in my life, in your life, have you heard me say that? That's right. And I was just going to say, too, it is one of those books that even, like, reluctant readers tend to get very into. It was really good. Yeah. It's short. It's very to the point. And I I love Steinbeck, because I think he does such a beautiful job of... Looking at kind of like the underbelly of the American dream and people who are struggling and lonely and and all of those things, so but at, we're we're about halfway through of mice and men, and so we'd gotten to that part where candy's dog is shot and um and of course that kind of foreshadows lenny's fate, you right. know, and the thing is in of mice and men, I think you know the novel really positions us to kind of be on George's side at the end that what he is doing for Lenny is ultimately the kindest thing he can do. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and I think in the world of mice and men, I'm okay with that. And you know, I, there's a lot to be said about assisted suicide and when is that a good thing and those sorts of things. But This is not one of those cases. (laughs) This is no, And, and but this is this is my point though is that across the board with these fucking murder, suicide, family annihilator sort of cases, almost always they are posited or explained in some way that you're somehow supposed to kind of be on the side of the murderer. It's always an emphasis on they lost their job. They felt like they couldn't care for their family. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The wife was sick and suffering from a lingering illness. Looking
1: for validation.
0: Exactly. And I was like, that's no different than what we do with an animal when it's old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that should not be your mentality when it comes to your wife and or your children. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that just pisses me off so much about these cases is almost always when they're discussed, as subtle as it may be, they are posited in this way. Right. And it just Irritates me, and I think that's one of the things that's really been under my skin about them. A, a, aside from just how wrong they are, right? So, um, my case—we're back to Minnesota, like we said—and it also takes place, oddly enough, at about the same time of *Mice and Men* during the Great Depression. And so there was a, there's a guy who's written a very good book about this case. His name is Brian Johnson. And he's actually very intimately connected with it. So, when he was a small child, he remembers visiting the grave of his great aunt, who died on April 10th, 1933. Her name was Alvira Lundine Johnson, she was 29 years old. And pregnant with her eighth child.
1: First of all, when that's she a lot died. of children. Yeah. yeah, and
0: you know, there's <laughs> probably something to be said too about family planning in this case, as well as in many other cases. Um, one of the things that I do think, um, you know, is overwhelming is not having some of that control. Yeah. But again, much more of my sympathy goes to Alvira or Alvira in this case than her murderer. So, as we said, she was 29 years old, pregnant with her eighth child, and she and all of her seven children that had been born are all buried in a single casket. And we will talk about why that was possible in just a little bit. Um, Okay, so there's a single grave, and that grave contains, like we said... Alvira, the child she was pregnant with when she died, 10-year-old Harold, 9-year-old Clifford, 7-year-old Kenneth, 5-year-old Dorothy, 4-year-old Bernice, 2-year-old Lester, and 4-month-old James.
1: Oh, sad.
0: So, yeah. So, when Brian Johnson was growing up, he um This grave is near Harris, Minnesota, which is around an hour, I guess, north of St. Paul, Minnesota. So it's a very small community. And he grew up knowing that they died in a house fire. So that's why they're all buried in one casket, because all that was left were basically skeletal remains. Gotcha. So, because the fire was pretty intense. It burned the house completely to the ground so yeah Um, it wasn't until many years later when he started digging and you know trying to find out more information he learned the horrible truth that 43 year old Alvin Johnson the husband of 29 year old Alvira murdered her and his children set their home on fire and disappeared so, did he kill them and then
1: set the house on fire, or did he set the house on fire and that's what killed them? I will
0: get to that in just a little bit. Okay. okay. And there are some conspiracy... Okay, so there are also some conspiracy theories about Albin and the murders, and I'll get to those in a little bit. I love so...
1: me a good conspiracy theory. Yeah,
0: well, these aren't, like, super good ones, well, just so you know. It's just, yeah, people Conspiracies have... are fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Albin was well known in the community, as was Alvira. They were both you know they'd both been born and raised in the area, and they were pretty well known. Albin was described he was six foot three, two hundred and forty pounds, Damn. so he's a large man and despite this being prohibition nineteen thirty three like we said, um he was a very heavy drinker, as were all three of his brothers and mm. In the past, Albin had spent three years working in Saskatchewan, Canada, in logging camps. And many people theorize that that's very likely where he went after the murders, that he probably went across the border into Canada and resumed working there because it was very transitory, Mm -hmm. people aren't going to ask too many questions, that sort of thing. Um, His father was a man named Emil who was quite well respected in the community. He had actually helped to build the Lutheran Church in the town of Harris. And despite Emile's standing in the community, Albin and his three brothers seemed to have had kind of shady reputations. Not that they weren't hard workers. Everything I found about Albin said he was a very hard worker, but they all had this reputation for being heavy drinkers, being kind of rough and mean. So there was definitely that. And a lot of people seem to have been at least somewhat afraid of them. Um, but this is where the quote-unquote, part of the quote-unquote conspiracy theory comes in. A lot of the people who just couldn't believe that Albin... Would do something like this, and I think a lot of people—that's their default, you know. Like, yeah, I feel like, and
1: that's when anything happens. So I would never yeah. think that this person would have done exactly. This. Yeah, yeah. So this—that's not something abnormal,
0: right? And I think especially when it's you know the murder of family members, right, mm-hmm. and children, which is really awful. Um, anyway. Despite that, Alban was, in fact, indicted by a grand jury six months after the murders. They tried him in absentia since he had disappeared and, like we said, has never been found. And I feel like this could be one of those cool, you know, mysteries if somebody can ever track down where the hell he ended up to. But some people claim that um, his brother's committed the murders but I don't understand like what I couldn't ever find any sort of a good reason why they would have wanted to do this to their own brother you know sort of a thing but um, the other reason that there are some of these conspiracy theories and especially since the father Emil seems to have had some standing in the local community as a couple of other family members did as well is that both the coroner's report and the sheriff's report are missing. Hmm. The originals. That's sketchy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there isn't an, actually a federal indictment for the murders, which um and Somebody said they tried to access that and they couldn't because technically this is still an open case. Because he's never mm-hmm. been found. Because he's never been found. So even though so much time has passed and he's very likely dead, I guess that's still a thing. Um, but I just kind of had a meh, you know, sort of reaction to that. Like we said, it's a very small town where these murders happened. And my feeling is just time and carelessness could very easily have led to the loss of that paperwork. There yeah. there was nothing else that I could see or find that, you know, pointed to something more I sinister. I guess it also
1: just depends on how long they had been missing. If they had mm. gone missing when oh, it was yeah. when the case was still fresh, then it's sketchy. If it right. took a while and then I don't know where they just kind of disappeared, then it's a little less sketchy.
0: Yeah, and and I don't know, you know, right. like I said, I do know that the people who went looking for them that Said they were missing it was fairly recent, you know, okay. so yeah So the way that the murders were discovered is that on April 11th at 3:30 a.m The five-year-old son of Ragnar Kronz who was a close neighbor He lived about half a mile from the Johnson's farmhouse woke up and sees flames and of course he wakes his dad Ragnar. and so Rogner summons the Harris and Rush City Fire Department so that those two towns, I'm assuming, must be pretty close. And the farms, you know, also were close to both communities. Gotcha. He then also rushes immediately over to the farm. And even though it's only a half a mile away, by the time he gets there, the house is almost totally destroyed. There's only one corner standing and it, Collapses shortly after he gets there. Damn. So yeah. So this fire totally obliterates this this house, this small farmhouse, um, and of course they have to you know wait for everything to cool down and everything. And by the time that they are able to go in, you know, and examine the smoldering remains. They do find all eight of the bodies. They looked closely for Alban. They never found his body, obviously, because he took off. Um, but one of the things that was kind of unusual is that all eight were found in sleeping positions is how they were, you know, described. And Alvira was in one room with four-month-old James in his crib, and... Um, Five of the children were in another room, all sleeping together. Harold, the oldest, was sleeping in the kitchen. But they also said that one child was found in the basement. And I thought that was very weird. I feel like the weirdest one is somebody sleeping in the kitchen. Not to me, because it would be warm there, and they probably didn't. I mean, that's like, they don't have enough, you know, it was a very small house, This is a very poor family. They were actually renting the house from Albin's father. Hmm. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a sec, too, okay? Um, But to me, the weirdest one is the kid found in the basement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like... And I still think it's a little weird that somebody was sleeping in the kitchen. Okay, but
0: yeah. But, um, like I said, the weirdest one to me was the kid in the basement because a basement would be cold. It's mm-hmm. April in Minnesota. There was snow on the ground. Um, why was the kid sleeping down there? Like, And nobody seems to question that. So I don't know if they knew where everybody traditionally slept because there's a lot of family members you know what I mean? That yeah. lived in the community, and maybe they were able to say, "No, this is where everybody slept. This is how their normal sleeping arrangements were." But it still seems odd to me.
1: Yeah. Well, did they ever specify what child it was? Was it the older no. child? Because I mean, no, that the I oldest. Can the
0: oldest was sleeping in the kitchen. That was Harold. Okay. And I don't. I. They didn't. I didn't find anything about which kid which, was in the basement. Yeah. Hmm. They did also find like the remains, I think, of two guns, and so. A lot of people said, "Oh well, he probably shot them." But know? then
1: we would be able to see bullet holes in their skulls. Maybe well, and I guess it depends.
0: yeah. Well, and the other thing is because they are sleeping all close together, wouldn't that have a- a- w- awakened them? Do you, you know well, what I mean? Unless he had well,
1: repositioned them after he before had killed he started them, started the fire.
0: Which yeah, that was something nobody ever brought up. That's mm-hmm. a good point. So at the time, the another professor, or whatever, had theorized that possibly he poisoned them. But you guys bring up, yeah, why couldn't he have shot them and, and then, then repositioned them? House. And that, to me, would explain the kid in the basement better, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And in any case, other things that were sketchy and that, again, you know, so when <clears throat> the bodies were first found, Alban's family, at least some of them, claimed that the police had messed up and that when they went in, and were finding the skeletal remains of the other people, that they somehow destroyed Alban's bones, that he was in the basement or something like that, and that they destroyed the bones by walking around, which, yeah, I don't you buy know. at all. And another reason is they found a gas can outside the house, and even though authorities were never sure exactly how the fire started just because of the level of destruction, Um, they theorized it probably started around 3 a.m. And I think based on when the kid woke up at Mm 3.30, you know, that that was the deal. Um, there were also tire tracks in the snow leading away from the house. So, duh. Right. Yeah. Um, all of the family goods were packed and in like a wagon, you know, like a kind of a wagon trailer thing outside because the family was supposed to move the next day. And here was something that I thought was very telling. Like I said, they were living in this farmhouse that was owned by Alban's father and mother, mm-hmm. right? Right. His dad had evicted them. And again, I could never find why, but that to me says a lot. Yeah, that you would evict your own son. And your seven grandchild, seven grandchildren, and one on the way. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, another thing would another thing to question is what did he do to get him, he and his family evicted? He That's had what to I'm have, yeah, he had yeah. to have done something bad
0: enough. Right. That. Yeah. So, and again, I nothing about that. So, um, and that to me would also be more of why you know there would be kind of a punitive element to this murder as well. You know what I mean? Um, Other things that really point to Albin being the murderer is he was seen late in the day of April 10th in both Harris and Rush City. And Rush City is where they were supposedly going to move. And they had already found a new place to rent in Rush City And Albin's brother in law had loaned him $25 to pay the rent on that new place, and he never paid it. So that also tells me he takes that $25 and uses it
1: to to skip town. Yeah,
0: to skip town. So, I mean, all of this just points to him so clearly. Um, Now, Vera's parents um, even went so far, they hired people from the Pinkerton Detective Agency. And this was kind of a national case for a while. For people who don't know, the Pinkertons are kind of the forerunners of the FBI. And they offered a $50 reward, which was a fair amount of money, Mm -hmm. you know, especially during the Depression. But there was, like, no luck. And I know that they said there was one person who reported seeing him up in Canada but there's the trail is very, very cold. And that led to some people thinking that maybe out of remorse he shot himself or killed himself. That's fucking doubtful. Which, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. believe.
1: I don't believe there was remorse involved at all. No. No,
0: no I don't fucking think so. Killed
1: his family and dipped out, took the money that his brother in law gave him and was like, fuck yeah, new life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: another thing that really leads to me to to feel that way <clears throat> is that. There was somebody who told, you know, and there's still people alive who knew these people, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, old, as old as they may be. And there was one woman who told the story of, like, Albin going to town, and of course he was always short of money, whatever, but one of the shopkeepers that he would go to felt sorry for his children, you know, these seven kids, and would give him, like, some candy to take home to the kids, and Albin would always eat it on the way home.
1: Of course he would. Fucking selfish prick. Selfish. Yeah.
0: And I think that tells you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, just so much about who he was as a person. And how much he cared about his kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, one of the things that also, you know, this, again, is one of those small town murders. And there were a lot of people who said that they'd never heard about it. Like, they were aware of, you know, the gray. They were aware of hearing about the fire. But um, you know, like said Brian Johnson, his mother was his grandmother would have been a sister to Alvira, because that Alvira was his great aunt. And he said though his mother knew her and remembered her. Um and, you know, even he didn't know that it was murder until he was considerably older. Right. And he like I said, he wrote this book and did as much investigation as anyone I could find and he said he definitely believes that Alban was the murderer even though other people keep trying to make excuses for him. Yeah so.
1: I mean it doesn't really make. there's no really other option.
0: No I don't think like I said the only other option that anyone mentioned Would be what, the brothers. were the brothers and, and that, that doesn't make any sense. makes even less sense mm-hmm. you know unless there had been some sort of fight but like I said there's the thing about this case that really got me going was of course you want to know what happened to him And where he ended up and, you know, and you want to know, you just want to think that the rest of his life was awful and horrible and all of that, but it probably wasn't. And then the other thing is the gap about like, why would his own dad have kicked him out of the house? Yeah. I found that very, very unusual. It had to have been something bad enough for him
1: to want to kick a pregnant woman and seven children out of the house as well. Yeah. In in winter when it's there's well, it was snow April. Well,
0: so and oh, on the ground, well, so, and, still oh, on the he, ground one it's winter. Yeah, one more thing that I wanted to say is so, um, on, you know, so the fire. What they think the fire started at three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. on April 11th,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the little boy wakes up at three thirty in the morning on April 11th. The death certificates for everyone those are dated April 11th but Brian Johnson says that on the very sm- the very simple flat stone marker that's on the grave for Alvira and her seven children and her unborn child their death date is listed as April 10th and he said he really believes that the fa- that that's not a mistake that the f- her family did that on purpose because they wanted it to be very clear that they did not die because of the fire, that they were murdered. And that by having that day discrepancy between their death certificates, to really point out, no, they were murdered by Alban prior to the house fire, the house fire.
1: I'm still just, yeah, blown away about the kid in the basement. It's just very
0: intriguing to want to know why he
1: was down there. Me
0: too. And I, you know, because like I said, one of the things that really puzzled investigators was why does everybody look like they were sleeping in their beds, you know, when this fire was started, Um, and you guys immediately, you know, you brought up a good point that he could have repositioned them after right. he killed them. And, and nobody funny. even mentioned that in all the research that I did, but that makes such perfect sense. Because,
1: I mean, it, I feel like it doesn't make any other sense because there's no way that this fire is happening and nobody is waking up.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Or even, like I said, you know, any of the ways that he would have killed them. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, whatever, that. like if he shot them, obviously the noise is going to wake somebody up right. in a, such in the same room lying right next to you. Some people uh, hypothesize he strangled them, but even that would take a lot of time just right. because of the number. Yeah. Of them. And again, you have five kids basically in one bed, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I don't, it, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of gruesome, but, um, so, and that led the one professor to say maybe he poisoned them, but I think you guys are more on it. I still
1: think that, or I would hope that the investigators would at least look at the remains to see if there were mm-hmm. some sort of gunshot wounds like fragments in any bones. Yeah, I think
0: they did. You know, you I mean, know I'm I mean? assuming they did. Again, they that did. wasn't discussed in anything that I read and I read a lot of different articles, although they got very repetitive. Um, but like I said, I'm just really sick and tired of the way these stories. And that was the thing that pissed me off as I was doing the reading, even with Brian Johnson, you know, being very clear that Alvin did it. And, I think he, everything I read about him, like I was fine with the way he said it, but just some of the more kind of generic, you know, sorts of articles that were out there. Again, there was an emphasis on, you know, that he was struggling and, you know, they had just been evicted. Again, this trying to make excuses for what he did. And I'm so damn sick and tired of that. There are no excuses. For these sorts of crimes. But over and over and over. And if you look at even, you know, reporting today, it's always like that. And it just pisses me off and Mm -hmm. I'm sick of it. And I think we really need to call out that kind of bullshit.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like the Chris Watts case. Yep. You know, that's a really good example.
0: Yep, exactly. So... That's my sad and very short but awful story of Minnesota murder.
1: Well, on a positive note, <clears throat> something cool happened in, uh, today, actually, in Germany. There, so there was a, um, a murder of an 11-year-old girl uh-huh. in uh, 1996, and today they pulled about 900 men in To have DNA tested
0: to try to help solve this murder. Wow. Mm -hmm. Go Germans. But they haven't solved it yet. They're just pulling them in. mm -hmm.
1: To get DNA from them, to start testing DNA. I mean, that's a step forward. Right.
0: But, like, that's a lot of people. That Mm -hmm. is. That's crazy. So...
1: So, like, that's cool.
0: Yeah, but like I said, I think this will segue very nicely because you're updating us, right, Maria, on... Yeah, on
1: Patrick Frazee's trial.
0: And this is definitely, I think, one of those kind of carryover mm-hmm. sorts of cases, although there's a little bit more going on there. But right. But again, it's that... Oh, there's... Yeah. There's
1: yeah. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually I, have made sure that I didn't look into anything that's happened over his trial because I knew we were going to be back in this situation, and I'm excited.
0: I am too. So... All right, well, we will keep this one short and sweet because people got Thanksgiving to prepare for, right? They're baking pies and right. blah, blah, blah. So. Well, they'll have a
1: couple of episodes to listen to
0: while they're yeah, yeah preparing, there and there you go. So once again, thanks for listening. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram. Email us at stateofcrimepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm so bad. I don't even know anymore. <laughs>
1: Um, If you have any suggestions, you can email us at stateofcrimepodcast.gmail.com or you can just message our Facebook page. Also, make sure you join our discussion group on Facebook. That's always a fun time. And if you're listening on an Apple product, please make sure you rate and
0: review us. It helps us out a lot. Yes. And as always, thanks for listening.